Um, I just wasn't educated. I, I, you know, even though I was selling the stuff, like like most real estate agents, I'll, I'll say a very unpopular opinion, but most real estate agents, they don't understand the investing side of real estate, right? They're great at showing houses and selling the product, but they don't understand the mechanics and what goes into building a portfolio. So, you know, I... I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought, you know, any property, like if it was in a good spot, you buy it and then you hope for appreciation down the road. And then that's how you build a portfolio. I I was very wrong. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, thanks for tuning in today. We have Seth Ferguson on the show today, but before we get into that, just wanted to give you a quick update on what's been going on in our world. Uh, We've been focusing on our U.S. multifamily projects as uh, we have been for the last several years. Uh, The last six months, definitely been a lot of travel to the U.S., especially for Jose. I've been attending a lot of events and uh, checking up on uh, some of the projects that we have on the go there. So yeah, Jose, tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the stuff going on boots on the ground from your conferences. Uh, what's, what's, what's going on out there? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, attending a lot of conferences and uh, getting a lot of different perspectives from experts and uh, what seems to be happening right now is, you know, you still got really good job growth uh, apart from uh, some of the layoffs going on in the tech sector. Uh, the corporate profits are, are are still high, so you know no sign of a recession per se yet. Uh, we're not seeing any foreclosures coming through in a big way, uh, and uh, they're forecasting in 2023 there's going to be a, about a 10% price drop in the residential market. And um, yeah, in the in terms of the apartment rental demand, uh, it's going to be fairly flat in 2023. Uh, which is, um, you know, which was uh, going at a very, very uh, fast pace before. Uh, but that's, you know, this is actually a good thing because it was unsustainable, you know, the way it was going. So we're going to see flat rents in 2023. And then in terms of interest rates, this is just my prediction. And what, based on what I'm hearing is we're going to start to see in Q3, uh, the interest rates start to drop. Uh, which will then kind of, I think, boost the market a little bit because there's a lot of capital sitting on the markets trying to get that uh, capital deployed and get a return on their investment. So definitely going to be an interesting 2023 to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that leads us perfectly into our episode for today with Seth Ferguson, who is a big proponent of multifamily investing, especially uh, in the United States, just like what we're doing. And I think that the big takeaway from this episode is that, you know, if you're a single family investor, investing in multifamily is completely attainable. 
most of us started out in the single family space and we jumped into multifamily investing. It's just economies of scale. So we really got to know Seth last year when we attended the first multifamily conference that he held here in Toronto, which was a great event. And since then, he's already ramped up efforts and uh, booked his next conference, which is going to be in May 2023 going to be uh, bigger than the last one. My understanding is uh, he's got some big headliners. Grant Cardone is coming. And I think that the mission here is to educate people who are in the investing space on multifamily investing and the fact that it is attainable and that you can invest in various capacities, whether it be passive or more active, and that it just really is much more of a team sport, which allows one to basically do a similar amount of work or less work and really streamline their investments rather than being sort of a mom and pop investor investing in single family homes and really running a very small shop. So I think multifamily is amazing. I wish we had found multifamily sooner than we did. I think that a lot of multifamily investors feel the exact same way. So if you've been sitting on the sidelines or you're interested or you're just starting out, I think this will be an absolutely amazing episode. And I think that uh, you know, if you're in the Toronto area, uh, definitely uh, coming to the multifamily conference next year would be amazing. So anyway, here is Seth, Seth Ferguson. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors. We are so thrilled to have Seth Ferguson on the show today. Seth, thank you for joining us. Just to give you a very brief bio of Seth, because I'm sure he'll do a great introduction in telling you all about himself. Um, He is quite a veteran real estate investor. He's been in the industry for over 13 years. He's done a whole bunch of different things, but right now he is the CEO of Multifamily Real Estate Investment, Inc., And most recently, his uh, claim to fame has been throwing some amazing conferences. So last year, we were, uh, you know, super excited and thrilled to be uh, exhibiting and attending the multifamily conference here in Toronto. And we are super excited for the one that's coming up uh, in 2023, uh, May. So I'll let uh, Seth tell you all about that conference coming up and just, um, you know, how much great information is being transacted at this event and so much uh, learning and knowledge about. Uh, multifamily investing both here in Canada and um, with a big focus also south of the border in the United States. So uh, without further ado, I will let Seth um, introduce himself. Seth, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really excited. You know, I think that introduction was perfect. Like the shorter, the better. It's always (laughs) awkward when people read like a huge long paragraph. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, I'm the founder of the multifamily conference, um, and, uh, we're making a really big dent in the multifamily space right now. Um, and then also, uh, you know, do my own investments and then, um, you know, there's a couple other things we run, uh, connected to real estate as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, thanks for being on our show. Yeah. You know, uh, tell us a little bit about what motivated you, uh, way back to, you know, over a decade ago, to to pivot and maybe get buy your first rental property. Yeah, so that was um going way way back. Um I was a real estate agent, a real estate broker, and uh I was making what most people would consider pretty good money. Um but uh you know, I was a young guy at the time and as the money came in, the money went out just as fast. You know, I had the really nice car, I had this four bedroom house I was living in all by myself. Um and uh so I didn't really have you know, at the end of the day, I didn't really have anything left over. And, uh, you know, one day I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm blowing so much money. I have nothing left over to show for it. Um, then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
Um, and then uh, Don Campbell's um, Acre System book. Uh, those were the two first uh, books I read. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm selling this stuff. I, I'm helping people buy it all the time. You know, I probably have an advantage over 99% of people buying residential homes at the time. You know, I should just start doing it on my own. And 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 that was the start um, of this crazy investing journey that seen me go, uh, you know, a, a, in a totally different direction than what I started out uh, trying to trying to do. So was it uh, like you purchasing a couple of uh, single family rentals, like most people would get started and then you kind of, you know, there was a moment where you realized that, you know what, maybe I should do something different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my partner and I, at the time, uh, it was your, like your typical single family home investing. So like there was a duplex conversion, there was like a condo, you know, there was like a, uh, new construction home, like, you know, basically all the stuff most beginners kind of do. And you yeah. think, oh yeah, like this is the, this is what you do with real estate investing. Um, I just wasn't educated. I, I, you know, even though I was selling the stuff, like, like most real estate agents, I'll, I'll say a very unpopular opinion, but most real estate agents, they don't understand the investing side of real estate, right? They're great at showing houses and selling the product, but they don't understand the mechanics and what goes into building a portfolio. So, you know, I I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought, you know, any property, like if it was in a good spot, you buy it and then you hope for appreciation down the road. And then that's how you build a portfolio. I, I was very wrong. And uh, the shift came when my son was born. Uh, so he, he's turning six, uh, this Thursday actually. So, and I owe everything to him for changing how I do things. Uh, because what happened was I, I remember I was like holding him in my arms for the first time. And then, you know, like I just had like in the blink of an eye, I needed to do more and be better for my son now, because before I was doing everything for myself. And I was like, you know what? Like I've made the most amount of money I ever have owning real estate, not selling the real estate. And but I, I was like hitting a wall, right? Because like banks, they want you to fit inside their tiny little box. If you're self-employed and you have, you know, a handful of rental properties, you know, they, they need your your left kidney. Uh, you know, they need like your your firstborn son. They they need all this stuff just to get financing. And it wasn't worth like I couldn't get any more financing. Like I, you know, the income was there. We had the properties there, but you know, a couple of things went into that. Number one. Uh, residential homes, like single family homes. I was equity rich, cash flow poor, you know, the, the way the yield's not there. And yeah. a lot of single family home investors, when they start out, like they don't understand that they're actually building a weight that's attached to their leg rather than a scalable portfolio. Um, so, you know, when my son came along, I was like, you know what? I've, I know real estate's the right thing to invest in. I was just investing in the wrong type of real estate. So I looked at uh, you know, industrial, I looked at office space, I looked at retail, I looked at multifamily, mobile home parks, and multifamily really resonated with me, uh, mostly because of how it performs during downturns. And we're entering into, uh, you know, a most likely a recession here in Canada, US is already in recession. And the past three recessions, multifamily has outperformed every other asset class. So, you know, I, you know, 
it's one thing to look at an asset when things are good, but it's a totally different thing to look at an asset, you know, when things are really choppy. And rule number one of investing is don't lose your initial capital investment. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for an asset that's going to actually weather the storm really well, uh, multifamily is it. So I made the switch. It made a whole lot of sense to me. And uh, since then, you know, we've got conferences and all a whole bunch of stuff that I never thought I would be doing. So it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's that's quite the journey. And uh, I think that it, it is a similar journey for a lot of people. It was interesting to me when you said, I don't know exactly what words you use, but about how a single family home can be like a weight attached to your life. Oh, yeah. right? like it's, it's, yeah. it, it can bleed. It can make you bleed. It can make you stay up at night. Um, so it is not always... You know, a lot of the gurus out there, the stuff you read, it's like, hey, just take action, just buy something, buy a property. Like, you know, you got to start building wealth. And I, I understand the sentiment. I mean, we've made a lot of our personal wealth through buying good residential real estate as well. Yeah. However, um, you know, there there is exactly what you're saying, especially with the increase in prices, increase in rates, um, changes all around. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult to stay afloat with some of those properties, even just you know, break even for yeah, that positive cash flow. 100%. Like, like I, I remember um, there was uh, the drain out to the sewer with uh, this one duplex yeah. and a tree root had gone through it, right? So it needed mm-hmm. to get repaired. Yes. The repair bill was $8,000. Oh yeah. That that was literally more than three years of cash flow yeah. for this property gone. So, so like it was already tight for cash flow to begin with. Like the duplex conversion helped. Yes. But like you just... I just got wiped out for more than three years worth of positive cash flow just with one repair. So it's not like you're totally right. Like it's people have to understand that, you know, one property will affect your next property and that property will affect your third and fourth and fifth and and so on. So, and cash flow is like the lifeblood of real estate. If, if cash flow wasn't there, you know, you, you can't scale. And, um, and, and, with residential real estate, like with the way the prices are, that the rental yields there, we can get into rent control if you want and all that stuff. But like, it's a lot of people are buying these properties in a negatively geared position, which doesn't help. You've just bought yourself like a cash suck or, um, you know, or you're just treading water. But in either case, you're speculating, you're not investing because the definition, by definition, speculating is is buying an asset that doesn't produce cash flow, where the only way you're making money is on future growth. That may or may not happen, right? Right. So I I think it's really important as beginner investors, especially to recognize what our actions, like what are we actually doing? Are are we investing or are we speculating? And um, a lot of beginners, myself included, I was totally guilty. I was was more towards the speculation side because that's the only way I could make money in the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because of the last few years, right? We've had a had a huge uh, run in the market. So everyone, whoever bought, you know, last five years or, you know, looked like a genius, right? It, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was kind of a no-brainer. No, no matter what you bought, you, the appreciation alone made you look like a genius. Yeah. And, and you know, in terms of cash flow, now things are pivoting. The uh, market is changing. Uh, rates are, you know, at an all-time high. We're now seeing kind of who's who's going to survive this storm, right? And who's going to be left swimming naked as, as Warren Buffett would put it. Yeah. So, so tell me about, you know, what kind of challenges um, are investors facing right now and what would your advice be to survive this? Yeah. Um, so I, I think 
I think the biggest challenge investors are facing is the unknown question mark, right? When humans by nature, we don't like things we don't know. Like we, we don't, we don't like things where we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And generally, like we see this in the residential resale market and we see this on, on the investor capital side. Whenever there's, you know, apprehension or questions about the market, people like their first reaction is to back away because they get scared. Um, but I think we really have to look at, you know, if we if I have capital right now and I want to put it somewhere, right? In the bank, it's getting eaten alive right now by inflation. So the bank's out. The stock market, it's up and down. Like, I, I'm not comfortable there. You know, so where else am I going to put it? And it always comes back to multifamily real estate. There's no other asset that can produce the cash flow. There's no other asset there's no other asset where you can control the the valuation of the property where the stability is there the proven stability through downturns the tax benefits you know if i'm an investor with you know a half a million dollars to invest like the only place i'm putting that regardless of where the market is is apartment buildings hands down because in my opinion there's no other asset there's no other viable option right now for capital to go right yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, honestly speaking, I think that for many investors, the issue is the barrier to entry, right? With multifamily, yeah. um, because multifamily is like, especially if you're a newer investor, it's 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 like a big kahuna, right? Like for going from even like, let's say you own a single family house to now going into a multifamily um, you know, deal. So uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with that and, and how, you know, how investors can get involved in multifamily, even if they are... Uh, you know, not experienced in multifamily or if they only have a couple single families, because let's be real, owning a single family home and owning a multifamily uh, apartment building, depending on the size are, are extremely different things. Very different. But I'm going to push back a little bit on, on what you said, because okay. like a lot of people like, and I was of this opinion too. Like I remember driving by apartment buildings when I was doing the single family stuff, I was like, there's no way I could own that. Like, you know, it must be a big corporation. Like I, I was ignorant of the options out there, but a lot of people think that, oh, well, I'll just start off getting into single family homes and then I'll like graduate, so to speak, into apartment buildings. And oh, you know, single family homes, it's safer. Apartments are riskier uh, because there's more going on. I actually argue the opposite now um, that apartments are a safer investment for a beginner. And let, let me explain why, because some people might be listening right now and being, oh, Seth's, Seth's gone off the deep end. <laughs> With an apartment building, right, that you have stronger cash flow. Right. With a single family home, you're probably very, very tight or negatively geared. So your your wiggle room for making mistakes that affect cash flow is greater with apartment buildings than with a single family home. Also, with management, a lot of people self-manage with single family homes because the property doesn't cash flow if you're hiring professional management. With an apartment building, you're able to have a manager from day one. So as a be beginner investor, is it better to do it on your own without any idea of what you're doing? Or is it better to invest in a building and actually have a professional manager help guide you along the way? I would argue yeah. again that apartments are a safer investment versus single family homes. And, and then we just go like, we can go on and on, but like every, every time, like apartments win, even for beginners. Um, and like, if I had that time machine where I could go back in time and sit down with myself, I, I would talk myself out of ever investing in a single family home because like, you know, I did all the beginner mistakes. I, 
I blew so much money. I, I lost so much money in terms of opportunity cost. Yeah. If I would have just said, you know what, I'll buy a small apartment building. I'll get somebody to manage it for me. I would have been so so much farther ahead uh, than where I am now. So um, yeah. yeah, so a little pushback there because like, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I'm like doing all the stuff I'm doing is because a, a lot of the, the questions or the uncertainty about apartments is just a lack of education. Uh, it's a lack of, you know, knowledge uh, about the space. Just like me, I had no idea what went into buying an apartment building. Um, but so, so that's why I'm doing the conference. That's why, you know, the YouTube and all, all the stuff I'm doing now is just to get the word out there that, yeah, like you don't have to get stuck, you know, buying, you know, six, single family home properties, not being able to get financing for more and then paying them off over the next 30 years and then retiring yeah. all, off of them. Like that's, there, there's a better different way to do it. And, and that's with apartment building. So it's all about getting the message out there. You guys are doing the same thing, which is awesome. And I think the more people that do that, um, the more, you know, real estate investors will benefit because it's all about options. And, you know, for some people, single family homes might be what they want to do. That's great. You know, other people, they, they buy office space. I've got friends who crush it in the office sector. But for me and and just, you know, with, with others who kind of share my vision on on what I want to do, like apartments are where it's at. Yeah. yeah. No, I I, 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 I agree. I, I guess for me, when I was asking that question, I was more gearing it towards, and, and your answer is absolutely great. I, I really respect that. Um, More so that, you know, the apartment building space is different than the single family space. I find that a lot of people entering the single family space, they want to, they want a hundred percent of the pie and they want to do everything on their own. Uh -huh. Shifting it into a mindset of, Hey, like now we're shifting into a much larger asset class. I'm not going to be doing everything on my own. I'm not going to own all of it. I don't need to own all of it. Um, it's a team's so it's a completely different sort of shift in, in mindset. And I think that that's what some people struggle with. However, it just makes more sense all day long for financially when you sometimes sit down and look at the numbers. I mean, people who are advertising multifamily, good operators advertising multifamily deals where you can be a part of the deal, even if you're not owning the whole multifamily building, um, are offering returns that far far supersede anything that people are getting in the single family space. But for some reason, there's this mindset that, hey, like I want to own a hundred percent of it. Like I want to buy this house and I want to own it and I want to run it. Like, I don't know if you find that, but that's the sentiment I get with a lot of investors here, smaller investors. It's like, I own yeah. my portfolio. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like I was guilty of that too. <laughs> like, well, we all were. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think it's, you know, Robert C. Kiyosaki has his cash flow quadrant, right? Like you've got you're you're an employee, you're self-employed, you have a business, or you're an investor. If if you want to own everything yourself and do everything yourself, you're self-employed. Like you just built yourself a job. Yeah. Uh, you're not creating a business. And I think you know the big the big you know chasm beginner investors have to leap over to get to the other side is you know it's all about you know treating it like a business. And developing the systems because like, you know, if, if you get hit by a car and you're in the, in the hospital for three months, what's going to happen to your business, which is your, your portfolio, right? Like you have to build those systems. Um, and, and um, yeah, like in, in terms of, you know, ju just accessibility uh, and, and, you know, investing in, in other deals, we also have to look at risk exposure too. Cause you know, if you're buying a single family home and you own it, you are incurring unlimited risk. You know, the lender can come after you for everything you're worth, you know, uh, to make themselves whole, uh, you know, like the risk is all there. Uh, over 
with apartments, uh, you know, if you're investing as a limited partner, as a passive investor, you know, your risk exposure significantly shrinks to just what you're investing in the deal. So, you know, it's always, you know, there's risk and reward. Uh, but again, like it goes back to apartment buildings. Why would I take on unlimited risk for inferior returns when I can invest in an apartment building, get better returns, better cash flow, you know, stronger, more controllable upside, but also really limit my risk exposure. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think risk, risk exposure is talked about enough with investors. And I, I think a lot of beginners, I, I certainly didn't know that. I didn't know the true implications uh, of risk and, and what it means and what it could mean in, in the event something goes wrong. Yeah, no, 100% right. Um I wanted to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about why you switched focus from from Canada to the U.S. You know what yeah. what made you jump to uh, invest cross border. You know what were some of the reasons, the pros and cons between the two countries, and so on. Yeah, well, uh, number one, uh, the tax code in the two different countries, the U.S. beats Canada hands down, hands down. <laughs> Like not no argument whatsoever. Yeah. Um, also, we look at uh, you know the 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 GDP, the economic output of both countries. Canada's nominal GDP only makes up eight percent of the of the U.S.'s nominal GDP. We are wow. like a drop in the bucket compared to the United States. The U.S. is still the capitalist you know uh, you know mecca of uh, of the world. You now yeah. all money wants to go to the U.S. And then we look at um, you know opportunities with markets. Uh, when we look at major metros in Canada of population 1 million or more uh, versus the U.S., you know, the list in Canada is like this. <laughs> in the U.S., it's huge. So we have, um, you know, more opportunities in larger metro centers. And then uh, honestly, like I like the product in the U.S. I'm a big fan of garden style. And uh, here we don't really see that because you're dealing with snow um, all the time and you can't have your pools like the pool would be open, what, like three months of the year. Yeah. Um, in the U.S., uh, depending on your market, you may have to deal with hurricanes and stuff. But, uh, you know, like the garden style product, uh, we have lots of green space. We've got the pools, outdoor barbecue pits where you can use them for most of the year. I really like that. Um, so, yeah, like. Those are just a handful of reasons uh, why. And then we were kind of talking about something else before we came on. But uh, but but yeah, so those are the reasons why I, I started looking at the U.S. for sure. And then, of course, you've got much more uh, landlord friendly laws. Oh, yeah. Well, don't, don't get me started on rent yes. control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, you know, all of my real estate when I was doing the single family home stuff was in Ontario. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, with, with COVID, what happened, you know, the government has their hands in the landlord's pockets. They can dictate, uh, you know, how much you can raise the rents, what you can do. Uh, and, you know, there's a number of studies that have been done showing that rent control actually is worse for tenants, where rents actually end up higher in rent controlled areas and renters get an inferior product. Uh, so I'm not a fan of the government dictating um, what, you know, I can do with my property. Um, one thing that government has shown us is that, you know, the private sector is a lot better at, ma at managing money than the government is. The government always, you know, <laughs> makes it worse. So I would rather go to areas where, you know, it's more of a free market system. Uh, in the free market system, if I invest capital, I am able to get a return from it. The government doesn't dictate, um, you know, what returns I, I can expect um, and how I can recapture the capital I, I've put into the property and all that sort of stuff. So uh, you raise a great point. I could go on for hours about rent control. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. 
and that's 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 the exact same reason why we also you know decided to switch uh, and invest across the border because uh, multiple reasons you know including what you just mentioned landlord friendly laws just a, and and the product is available right here you're competing against um, so much capital chasing after so few deals so the deal flow is definitely not there and you're not getting access to these larger uh, unit counts right you're uh, we just don't have the um, the the rental stock available because nobody's been building since the 60s and 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, and that goes back to backwards government policy again. Like it's just you know, anytime the the government like puts you know uh, red tape down or, or or tries to get involved, like the the intentions are good, but the outcomes are bad. <laughs> so so because there's always unexpected outcomes because you can't you can't. You can't fathom every impact that's going to come out of one decision. And, and, you know, rent control, it's a great talking point come election time. You know, certain parties will, you know, be like, yeah, we're going to fight for tenants. It sounds good. Vote for me. But it doesn't solve the issue. It's, it's just like a it's just a talking point that does nothing. Uh, so I, I'm going to start rambling. So we'll, I'll cut that <laughs> off there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, Jose has been going down to the U.S. for several years now, uh, sh- you know, learning and, and 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 networking and all that good stuff. But he always used to call it the wild, wild west. Right. Because um, even even just access to capital in the U.S. is very different than in Canada. And maybe we can talk a little bit about this because, um, you know, all of us who are in the real estate space, uh, real estate is a capital heavy a business. You need to have access to capital in order to make deals happen. And I mean, you know, the whole sentiment here that we talked about before is it's 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 a team sport. It's not about I need capital to make my deal happen. It's like, hey, let's all work together to bring our capital together so that we can all invest in a really large deal rather than like you said, all of us uh, you know, buying these single family houses. Hey, Seth, like let's bring five people together or 10 people together and let's go in together on this deal. That's what this is about, right? Um, buying a institutional asset with a professional property manager who's going to run the asset and it's going to be mitigated. Risk is going to be mitigated for everybody. All these things that we talked about, right? However, uh, what has been your experience uh, being a Canadian and raising capital in Canada versus I'm not sure what your experience is with um, raising capital in the United States? Yeah. yeah. So so right right now, um, you know, my investor um, group is about 50 50. Um, in, in terms of U.S. investors and Canadian investors, and um, you know, we, we were kind of joking a little bit, like like it's, even like uh, with the conf- like the multifamily conference and selling tickets, like I've like um, the 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 personality type, uh, um, you know, Canadians in the U.S. like just is very different, and like you know, if you're just unless you're selling a product or or, or selling investments, like you. you I don't think you really pick up on it, but like, you know, in, in our space, like I, I see a definite difference between a Canadian, generally speaking, and an American. Um, and, and just in terms of, you know, I guess you could call it like tenacity or or like, um, you know, like Americans generally want to just get the ball rolling, uh, you know, with the conference, like. You know, we're selling a ton of tickets in south of the border right now for a, multi- a conference in Toronto. And then, you know, Canadians are always like taking a little step back and they're always a little bit more hesitant generally uh, to do something. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're changing things with, with the conference and everything else. But um, but yeah, in terms of raising capital, like very different roles, um, you know, like there's there's no like 
uh, like in Canada, everything's provincial. Uh, so you have to, uh, even though the provincial rules are generally the same, you have to really watch out. In the US, you've got your federal, then your state level. Um, you've got different offering types, like, you know, your 506C, um, where you can advertise, you know, publicly, which is great. Um, so I, I think for real estate investors looking to go south of the border, if they're looking to bring capital, you just have to make sure that, that you're on side with both the Canadian, um, you know, uh, uh, investor rules, uh, securities uh, legislation, and then also the American side, um, because a lot of people like they're raising money and they're doing so in a way that's probably not compliant. <laughs> so, so you just want to make sure you're doing things the right way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we found the same way. Like we found the same thing uh, when we're raising money from Americans versus Canadians. Canadians, you know, tend to be very timid. Uh, they want to. They want to take several weeks to think things over. Um, more conservative. More conservative. Yeah. Uh, the risk tolerance is much lower, I would say. So, yeah, it definitely been a, a, a bigger challenge for us, like versus the Americans. They're like, OK, um, let's just go ahead and do it. You know, <laughs> that type yeah. of mindset. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's very interesting. And yeah, perhaps one of the reasons difference. one of the reasons might be um maybe uh, americans earn generally earn uh better that's one of the reasons i can think of i Less think they tax. also have more disposable income yeah. because and oftentimes their cost of living is lower um, yeah in the yeah, gta it, we have one of the highest cost of livings in the world right oh it, it, it it's it's insane um but i i think it, like culturally culturally though not to get too like uh yeah. esoteric or, or whatever but like i i think in the us you celebrate big success more and in Canada, we don't really celebrate big success. It's almost better, more culturally accepted to be more humble about it. Yeah. So, so it's like, uh, you know, in the U.S., it's like, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm celebrating. I own like half half a billion dollars of real estate. You know, blah blah blah. Everybody's applauding. Hey, I want to be that guy. In Canada, it's like, oh, he he's bragging. I, I want to listen to the person who who's just a little bit more humble and who yeah. who owns like fifteen properties and not like half a billion. Like th that's exactly how it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. it blows it's my true. mind. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Oh, it's, it, you're right. And and and, and, and I mean, it, maybe we need to start changing some of that dialogue, right? And, I, I'm and tr I'm trying so hard. 100%. I'm trying so hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's it's wonderful and commendable that you know you're you're doing this and taking the initiative. So maybe we could just talk about that real quick. Like, where did this idea come from? You were. I know you were in a bit of like you know you had TV experience and that sort of thing, so you were comfortable doing you know public appearances and stuff, but never been in the event space. So what no. pivoted that sort of interest and, and how did you get that event together? And and I'm it was just at the brink of you know COVID ending. Oh yeah that, that was that was a nightmare and a half. Uh but yeah so the event came from uh my my now fiance and I were sitting on the couch watching Shark Tank and I'd always like toyed with the idea for a couple of years wouldn't it be cool to have like a real estate conference, like an apartment investing conference. And like, you know, like lots of ideas, you have them and then they just kind of sit on the back burner and you never revisit them. So we're, we're, we're sitting um, in her apartment and COVID had just hit. So like no cars uh, on the road, the place was deserted. We're watching Shark Tank. And I turned to her and I said, 
Darcy, I'm going to have Kevin O'Leary speak at a real estate investing conference. I don't know what inspired me to do that. I was just like, like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because I always have these big, crazy ideas. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. And a couple of days later, I had Kevin O'Leary book and confirmed for a real estate conference. And that was kind of the start of it. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, it, it really, it grew a lot bigger than I thought it would, um, which is a good thing. Um, because I, I think like, you know, we've got Grant Cardone coming uh, in 2023. And like, I owe a lot to Grant in terms of uh, like, like just go bigger, like the 10X thing. Yeah. Because yeah. like, if I would have set out and run like a small, like 200 person gathering, it would not have attracted the same excitement. We wouldn't have had the same speakers. We wouldn't like everything is just better on a bigger scale. Yes. Um, and that's why we're 10 xing what we did last year again, uh, just to get e even more. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that that's what inspired the conference. And it's really, you know, I, I just think back to when I first started looking into multifamily, I had no framework. I had no strategy. I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what books to read. Uh, like I just was lost. And, and I think a lot of people like they would love to invest in apartments if they just knew how and what the benefits were. Uh, so the whole goal of the conference is just, just to educate people and, and get the word out there that, yeah, like apartments are a very viable investment opportunity and probably kick the butt of everything you're doing now. Um, and it's not only to bring beginners and introduce them to apartments, but also, um, you know, successful operators. Okay, well, now how? Let's scale your business. Like, let's get you from a hundred million to you know five hundred million, or five hundred million to a billion, a billion to three billion. Um, th that that's what it's all about, and, and just bringing investors together from Canada and the U.S. in one spot. Because I think everybody wins when we bring the best minds from both countries together. So. Yeah, like, like lots of exciting things happening with the conference. Like we got Grant Cardone and Alex Rodriguez. Uh, A-Rod, like everybody knows him from baseball, but he owns over 15,000 apartment units. So like he's a huge multifamily investor. So I, I'm very, very excited uh, for uh, 2023. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. That's amazing. And kudos yeah. to you for thinking big and, you know, 10xing this, uh, that mindset, you know, um, that because, yeah, like you said, it's probably the same amount of work, whether you do a 200 person event versus a 2000 person event. Uh, but obviously 2000 person would bring a lot more excitement, a lot better speakers and uh, generally a better experience for uh, the audience. Right. Yeah, for, for sure. You just have to add a couple zeros to your yeah. uh, spreadsheets. <laughs> but but it, it's the same thing going from like single family and, and, home investing. To yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. I was, just gonna zeros. Yeah. I was just going to mention that whether you're buying a ten unit building or a hundred unit building, you know, it's at the end of the day, you just have to kind of wrap your mind around thinking bigger. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and like, you know, Kevin was great last year. Um, you know, very professional, like, uh, you know, loved working with him and his team and, and like Grant's team, A-Rod's team have been great so far. And like the, the excitement we're getting, like when you're going big, like my goal is to turn the multifamily conference into the real estate event anywhere in uh, like North America. Like if you're yeah. going to a real estate investing event, you have to come to the multifamily conference. Uh, so we've got really big goals for it, but like, uh, like the excitement that, that generates, you know, my, my staff is, is so excited for this event. And, and 
because we're going big, like they're putting like 200% into the event uh, and they're all bought in because we have that big vision. So, you know, and I think like, you know, as I'm going to steal like a grantism because he's, he's the speaker next year, but like, if you aim for like, you know, let's say raising $10 million for your first deal and you only raise eight, sure. You didn't hit your goal, but you raised a whole lot more money just by thinking big, right? Like same thing with the conference. Like we've got really big goals for attendance and all that stuff. Even if I don't hit those goals, like we're still outdoing like any real estate conference in the country. Like, like, you know, like the con- yeah, like the conference we're putting on, like there's no other event like it in Canada. It, yeah. it does not exist. Well, and for like, I mean, Toronto being a major metropolitan city, I mean, um, you know, we, we, there's we a huge we, there's yeah. a huge uh, demand for it too because there's there's a lot of capital out here uh, a lot of people that want to get educated in this multifamily space so you know that's uh, that's amazing that you're you're doing this yeah and i have to say we have to visit your booth in uh, 2023 uh, <laughs> yeah, at, at the yeah. so i'm, I'm going to be an exhibitor again yeah. this time <laughs> And last year, you know, uh, I I really liked uh, Joe Fairless as well because yeah, you know, exi- again his mindset about how he grew to multi billion dollar company is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, and it, it, and he's such yeah. a such a humble guy. If he can do it, he's inspiring other people can do it as well, right? Yeah, like like Joe's Joe's a friend of mine. Like I I love him, and like um we had our speaker dinner like the night before the conference and all the speakers, we, we went out for to a nice steakhouse and stuff. And, and Joe brought his, uh, his daughter and, and his wife and, you know, nobody know, knew who he was <laughs> and, and, like all the other speakers. Cause he just came in with his flannel, like his plaid shirt and everything. And he's yeah, introducing yeah. himself and, and, and sure enough, like it's Joe Fairless and, you know, speaking of partnerships. So Joe Fairless controls over $2 billion now of, of apartment buildings He's doing partnerships with Blackstone. Um, so like uh, like they, they've signed an agreement. They're going to be doing a whole bunch of deals. So like even the huge, you know, mega companies, you know, like Blackstone, Joe Fairless, $2 billion plus, yeah. like they're still figuring out how to do deals together with other people. So like in terms of the mindset, it's not just going from single family homes, doing it all on your own to now partnering with people. Like the partnering aspect is going to be with you as you build your your portfolio to $2 billion. Like you're still partnering and, and leveraging exactly. other people for sure. Yeah. Like that whole, this whole idea about collaboration, partnering, you know, Teamwork. Th- this is, this is what I believe that the Canadian investors were, are lacking yeah. in a big way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of it has to do with our uh, rent system here and like our inventory, all these stuff, things we talked about, because there's just not enough, right? So there is like still that competition. Like we were in the multifamily space here before we went into the US and we were like dealing with like several m- multiple bids on buildings. And a lot of the times it's interesting that you may know one or two of the players at the table for sure, because yeah. they're friends of yours. Yeah. They're people who are in the investment space. They're people who you talk to, or you've been on their podcast, or they've been on, they're people we know. And so like the collaboration is just, it's because I think there's just also some scarcity in certain ways here, right? Whereas in the US, there's so much abundance, right? And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, if I don't get that deal, then there's like three other deals that I'm going to go offer on, right? I'm going to be underwriting multiple deals because there's all these different cities. So I don't just have this one city that I'm tied to. Like there's other cities here that make sense for me. So I can just, you know, pivot. Like it's a very different um, 
it's a very different mindset of abundance. But also something interesting that you hit on that I just want to kind of end off on here is this whole concept that, hey, like, you know, it's okay to dream big. It's okay to have big goals. It's okay to talk about those big numbers. It's okay. Um, you know, you don't, it doesn't take away from your humbleness. It just is the next big thing to strive for or that 10x goal that, you know, why, why can't you do it? Like Jose said, if Joe Fairless can do it, like I can do it too. That's, that's motivational, right? It's not, you know, you got to take that and you got to feel motivated from it. And I think that's the beauty about multifamily is that, Hey, like there is just so much that can be done and the sky is literally the limit. Um, just as hard as you grind and as much as you learn and as hard as you work, um, you can get to those numbers too. Like you can, you know, if you're starting out from having a couple single family houses, it's okay to say, Hey, like I want to own a hundred million in real estate in the next five years. And, and that is achievable. It is completely achievable. Yeah. And, and people will be drawn to your big vision. That, like yeah. that, that's the one thing, like I I've done so much learning over the past couple of years, like doing this stuff. Like if you have the big vision, people will be attracted to you just for having that vision. So like you owe it to yourself and to those other people to, to talk about your vision because that's how you inspire others. Like no joke, like every single week on my phone, I get messages from people who came to the conference. Like uh, a guy sent me a message yesterday. Uh, like he thought he was done with real estate investing because he owned like, you know, I think it was like eight properties, like eight single family homes. He said he came to the conference and he's like, <laughs> he's done so much since and with apartments just because he came to the conference. Like if I didn't share my big vision, he wouldn't have been impacted. And now his family's better off for it because mm-hmm. net, now he's basically doubled his net worth, which was pretty good to begin with. Like it, you're, you're doing a disservice uh, to not only yourself, your family, but also like society. If you're not talking about your big goals and you know, I, I never used to do that. I was like your typical Canadian where you just like keep it to yourself. But like yeah. now I I'm learning, I've learned so much. And it's so important that, that you talk about your goals, where you want to go share with people, because that will inspire others and that will help them in their life and, and help them do what they want to do too. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. um yeah, just as we sort of wrap off, uh maybe you can tell us. So what is your big goal? Like where do you see yourself going in the next three oh, or five oh, years? Oh and uh, you know, I know you shared with us your goals for the multifamily conference. Uh, maybe you could just tell us like um you know, what, what's going to, what, what do you see happening in the next several years? Yeah. So our five-year goal is I want 10,000 people, uh, bums in seats at, uh, in five years at the multifamily conference. And, and that, that will put us in the top echelon of major events, like <laughs> in kind of any industry, but, um, we, we want to be the event to go to and just, uh, you know, I'm competitive. I, I'm going to blow everybody else out of the water. In terms of like, <laughs> in terms of like production value speakers and, and all that stuff, and um, I, I think doing that will help a lot of people, because you know the more the the bigger it is, the more exciting it is, the more people talk about it, the more people can get exposed to the message, and, and that's what it's really all about. Like that's the that's the sneaky thing. Sure, we bring in the big speakers and we we make it look good, but it's just getting the message out there about apartments. Like that's really what what I want to get out there to people. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. No, that's great. So I urge everybody to go and check it out. Um, you can buy. Can you buy tickets online right now? Yeah, uh, multifamilyconference.ca. Um, ticket prices go up. Uh, we're thirty percent off right now for another, I think, 12 days, something like that. And then okay. they'll tick up again. So uh, lock in now and uh, and reserve your seat. Um, and VIP, I think we're 
30% sold out for VIP. Um, so uh, you definitely, you definitely want to check out that option. Hundred awesome. percent. It's a it's a great event. Uh, I can uh, speaking from experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ton of you, ton of. You great, haven't great seen anything value. yet. This is like thing ten x from last year. 10X, yeah, 10X yeah. I know. I'm, 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 ex- excited. I'm really excited yeah, about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Sure. And so, Seth, if people want to get in touch, um, just with you, follow your journey. Um, what's the best way for them to? Uh, you are on. You have a YouTube channel and you yeah, have a yeah. The, the best way is go to uh, youtube.com slash Seth Ferguson. And if, uh, you know, if somebody's interested in, you know, just, you know, Hey, I'm brand new in apartment investing. Like, how do I get started? I have a free blueprint. Somebody can download. It's called your first apartment deal blueprint. Uh, totally free. Like it's a a download you get. You just have to go to SPI spy formula.com and you can download that. And, uh, hopefully that, uh, gets the, uh, the wheels turning in your brain and helps you out. Yeah. Okay. We'll definitely link that in our show notes as well. So definitely uh, check Seth out, follow his journey, uh, go to his YouTube channel. Uh, lots of good educational material there for you to check out and uh, come to the multifamily conference next year. We will, will, we look forward to meeting you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited to have you guys on for a second year. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah for sure. no, thanks, uh, so thanks so much again. for your time yeah. and uh, being on our show, uh, Seth. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. You guys do a great job. Thanks, yeah. Seth. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.